Well, good morning, and thank you for joining us today. It is great to see every one of you. I see some new faces, so that's a lot of fun, too. Thanks for being in the room here with us and worshiping. Thanks for joining us. If you're at home uh, online, if you're listening later, it's great to be with you as well. My name's Corey, uh, and I'm the lead pastor here at GFC. I get the honor and privilege of doing that, and I'm happy to be able to start a new conversation with us this morning. And we've been, if you've been a part of GFC over the course of the year, where we've been is for the first, like, 11 weeks weeks, we were talking about church. And so we talked about what's important to us and what we hold as values. And then we talked about the seven churches in Revelation and what Jesus was teaching to them. And so, guys, I'm getting a little bit of a ringing, I think. So if you could pop that down, it'd be perfect. Thank you. So we talked about that, and we've dug into what church is and how we do that and what's important and what Jesus taught. And so if you missed some of that, please feel free to go back. You can watch that on YouTube. You can listen to our podcast wherever you find your podcast, Spotify or wherever, wherever you listen. Um, and you can get more of that information if you'd like. But we're kind of turning a corner, and Easter's on the way. Have you realized that? Like, it's been helpful with the 70-degree weather, which is great. Like, we had snow, and then we get 70 degrees. I'm not complaining about 70 degrees. I just wish the weather would make up its mind. And so we, we turn the corner a little bit, getting a little bit warmer. That's good. And so we've got this little three-week series we're going to do before we turn our attention uh, to Easter. And when, when you see what's up on the screen, I think if I'm going to address the elephant in the room, something might come to mind, Okay. You see the word generous, you hear the word generosity, and all of a sudden, you might think of money. And you're going, Pastor Corey, this is the wrong time to talk about money, okay? I, if you're thinking that, it's okay, right? You, maybe you're thinking about, uh, we're talking about inflation, we're talking about gas prices, we're talking about interest rates. This is not the time to have the conversation. Now, here's just, just from all, just so you know, right? We put this on the schedule in like November, Okay, so it's not like we had the conversation like three weeks ago and we were like, let's talk about money now. Okay, so like, I'm just saying, we put on the schedule. We actually have the whole year planned out for what we're going to preach about, like in November and December. Okay, so I just want to say that first of all, just so we, I, I get it. I just want you to know, I get it, right? Convenience is not exactly at the forefront of our mind when we're having this conversation right now. Okay, but here's the other thing I want to say, and I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but I do want to just think it through. Okay. We put it on the schedule. We felt God calling us to have this conversation, and it fell now for some reason. I don't know why, but it just fell now for some reason. And so if that's the case, we're not going to shift from what we feel God leading us to have a conversation about because things are going on in the world we didn't know about. We're just not going to do that. And then we get to kind of lean in and go, okay, so what's the point? What is, what is God helping us understand? Why are we having this conversation now, even at a point where it's not necessarily the most convenient time to have that conversation. Now, here's the other thing I say. This whole conversation is not about money. And if you were watching the video that we just played, right, we're talking about building a kingdom. We're talking about what we do with what God has given us. And so it's not just about money. Actually, today we're not going to talk about money at all. But we want to think about what does it mean for us to live a generous life? What does it mean for us to be a generous church? And how do we live our lives and, and kind of organize our lives so that we have the opportunity to be generous when that time comes. So that's where we're going to go for the next three weeks. And I would encourage you to lean in. I'm really excited about it. I have a friend named Andy who's coming next week to share with us, which I think is going to be awesome. So I would encourage you to lean into that. Um, and then we'll wrap up in a couple weeks before we turn our attention to Easter. But here's where I want to start today. Um, I think we've got a problem. And I think that I am not immune to this. I think I have this problem too. And I think that problem is that we sometimes don't organize our life very well. 
we don't steward what God has given us so well. And so what happens is, especially in our conversation today, we're actually going to talk about time. What happens with that is we start to kind of get in a place where we start to give away time we shouldn't give away. Or we start to fill our schedules in a way that maybe we shouldn't fill them. Or we start to not leave the space that we actually need to leave. And sometimes that happens with all kinds of things. It can happen with our schedule. Um, it can happen with our finances. It can happen with just anything that we, we need to be able to manage and have a good hold of. And we start to use those things in a wrong way. And then we get to the end and we go, how did I get here? How did I get to the point where my schedule is so full and I have no time to breathe? How do I get to the point where my money's all gone and I don't know what happened to it? How do I get to the point where that situation is there? And I think even if you're going, right now I'm in a good space with that, I think we've all struggled with that at some point. Like learning how to adult is difficult, and so figuring some of this stuff out is what we have a problem with sometimes. And today the conversation, like I said, we're going to talk about time. And here's what I would say. I, I think that the question I want to ask is how can I be generous with the most valuable resource I have? We don't, maybe I don't, maybe you don't either, think about time as the most valuable resources we have. It's not necessarily always the forefront of our mind, but honestly, I think time is the most valuable resource we have. And here's why. I have three things I want to say about time that make me come to this conclusion that's the most valuable resource. First of all, time never stops, okay? So you can call a timeout in like a, you know, a football game or a basketball game or something, but you're calling timeout on the time within the time right? You're not calling a timeout. You can't stop the world from moving. You can't do that. Uh, my wife and I have conversations about this now because we have an eight-year-old son and a one-year-old son. And if you take a picture from when my eight-year-old son was one and you put it next to our one-year-old son, you can't tell the difference. They're the identical same child. And we go, how did one get all the way to eight and look like this, and we still have this one, right? It feels like the time there went either really fast or really slow. I don't know, but you, you can't stop it, right? And something you understand as a parent is that time just keeps going. We can't stop it. And so even when we, there's other things we can stop from happening, you can't stop the clocks from ticking. You can take the batteries out, but time's still going to go, right? So we can't stop it from moving. So you just kind of have to keep going. You can't call a timeout. The second thing is, we can't get more. So almost every other resource, you can try and find more until it's all gone. But th there's a reality that we can try and we can get more, right? We can get more stuff. We can work and get more money. We can uh, put things together, right? If we need more of something, we can try and find it. You can't do this with time. You can't find more. You can't get more. Now, you can do things in a more time-efficient way, but that's leveraging within the time that you've been given. So you can't actually get any more. And then the third thing would be this. You can't take it back. You know, we live in a world where uh, returning things is very easy. Um, I actually ordered a shirt from Amazon the other day that was try before you buy. I didn't have to spend a cent. And they just said, if you don't like it, send it back within seven days and we won't charge you. If you like it, keep it. We'll charge you what we told you we would charge you when you ordered it. Or we do that with other stuff, right? Maybe you go to the store and you do try it on. We, we have this system where we, in most situations, right, even cars, they're like, drive it, try it, take it home, see if you like it, right? And then you can take it back. We can't do that with time. So whatever we spend our time on is what we spent it doing, right? If I spend five minutes having that conversation, that's how I spent that five minutes I'll never get back. If I spend three hours at a ball game, that's three hours I'm never going to get back. And so while we do spend that time on good things, absolutely, we do spend it on good things. But at the same time, we cannot take it back. 
And so the fact that with time, it never stops, you can't get more, and you can't take it back, I think it becomes our most valuable resource. And yet at times, again, I'll go back to that first statement, I think we've got a problem. And it's not just a GFC problem, it's not even just necessarily a United States problem, it's just like we, we have a problem in culture at times, just understanding how we manage our time and how we do this well. And I would say this, and I've said this to you before, a different version of it, busyness has become an achievement, or a, a badge of honor, right? You have a conversation with somebody. It's tempting. Maybe it's just me. It's tempting to say, uh, how's life going? Oh, it's so busy. And that feels better than, I am so well-rested and I have nothing going on, right? <laughs> if you said that, if I said that, I would feel like someone would think I, would be, I was being lazy. That's just honest. That's, that's how I would feel. Oh, you have nothing going on, Corey. Nice for you, right? That's how people, I think people would respond. So when we, when we ask that question, Oh, I'm busy. I have a lot going on. I got this happened, this happened, this happened, and we go. That's, that can make us feel like we are valuable. It can make us feel like we have worth. It can make us feel like we're accomplishing something. But the question is, are we filling our schedule? Or are we becoming busy with the right things? And I think that we can be busy and be following Jesus. I think that that can be the case. The case is not to say today that we, if we're busy, we're not doing what Jesus has called us to do. The opposite can be true. We can be very busy in doing what Jesus has called us to do. But the question is, are we doing that well, and are we managing schedules well, and are we using this resource that God has given us to the best of our ability? And so today we're going to go to two places in Scripture. The first place uh, is Mark chapter 1. So if you want to turn there, you can open. If you have a physical Bible, you can open that. If you have a phone or a tablet, um, one of the places you can go is you can go to our website, which is mygracefamily.church. And if you go there, the second thing down is called follow along. If you click follow along, all the verses will be there. All the notes will be there. You can actually take notes and email them to yourself. And you can actually ask me a question. So if you've never done that, if you have a question about anything I say or Pastor Andrew says or whoever's preaching, you can actually submit a question. If we're confusing or we say something silly, ask the question and we would love to have that conversation with you. But we're going to start today. We're going to uh, be in Mark 1. And we're going to start in verse 29. So here's what I want to do today. We're going to look at two instances uh, in Jesus' life and see how he thinks about and how he teaches other people to handle time. So Mark 1, 29 to 30, the verses are up here on the screen too for you. It says, After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went, in verse 31, he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. 32 and 33. That evening, after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. 34. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Verse 35. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. 36 and 37. Later, Simon and the others went to find him, and when they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. 38 and 39, But Jesus replied, We must go on to other towns as well. I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So just to recap where we are, right? There's Jesus comes uh, to find, um, sorry, I just want to make sure I get the names right, James and John. And he gets to the mother-in-law, and they have a conversation, and she's not doing well. And so he, Jesus goes to the house and heals her. And then that word gets out. By the way, 
difficult to keep a secret in Bible times, okay? So you start showing up and people start getting healed, that word gets out, right? It would get out today too, but it got out into town. And you have to think about this, right? That we've, maybe we think about this, maybe we just don't think about it, but medical care back then was difficult. It was difficult to get, it was expensive, there's no health insurance, okay? So if you've got a problem and you have money to like throw at that problem, okay, great, you'll get doctors and things. If you don't have any money for that stuff, you're, you're kind of stuck. And so people start hearing Jesus is healing people. What does that do? Everybody starts to show up, okay? So all the people that are maybe demon-possessed or they're sick or whatever, they all show up. And not just them. It says everybody in town, now that's hyperbole, but it says everybody in town showed up just to watch. So even if you don't have a problem, you're coming to be like, what's Jesus going to do? How would you feel if after dinner, everyone in town just showed up at your house? It's like, if you, if you don't like people, that's a nightmare for you, right? You're like, please just leave me alone. And so they all show up and they all start asking Jesus for all of these things. And it says that Jesus spent that evening healing and casting out demons and healing and casting out demons and healing and casting out demons and giving his time to people that needed him. Here's what I want us to get, right? Jesus was busy. Jesus had a lot to do. This, there's plenty of places in scripture where Jesus does something like this. He heals somebody and people start showing up. Or he feeds somebody and everybody else is like, I want to eat too. Or whatever. And people start coming to Jesus. And he's got a lot that he has to deal with. There is busyness in Jesus's life. But here's the other thing we see. Jesus managed the time and, re, and, time and expectations well. He knew what he needed to do. He knew where he needed to go. And so when this kind of escalated and there was some time where he needed to refresh himself, if we go back to verse 35 for a second, it says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. So he spent all night, some of the night, healing people, casting out demons, whatever it was, right? Becoming very probably tired, spiritually investing in other people. And it says the next morning before anybody else woke up, He goes, I need to go off and be by myself and pray. Can I can I pause like for just a second and ask this question of us? Like, how is your spiritual tank doing? How have you been reinvesting time into your spiritual life? Because here's what I know, right? If Jesus, Jesus, right, had to pause and go spend time praying in order to get himself right, we have to do the same thing. We can't say that we can just run and run and go and go and go and go. Our body and our, and our spiritual well-being will fall apart if we do that. And so Jesus says, Jesus, when we're looking at his example, he goes, no, so we have to ask ourselves, are we reinvesting into our spiritual lives? Jesus spent that evening investing in people spiritually and then said, I have to refill that tank. We have to do the same thing. And so as he's doing that, right, if we go back to verses 36 and 37, it says, Later Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. This is normal for Jesus too. He does something really cool. He does some miracles. And the next day, everyone shows up again. They want more. They want to see it again. They want to see what else he can do. And in verses 38 and 39, this is how Jesus responds. But Jesus replied, We must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. What is that first phrase? We must go to other towns as well. I can't just stay here. I need to go to the other places. 
It would have been very tempting, I would think, if you've got a bunch of people asking you to show up again, it'd be very tempting to just go back to that. In fact, this is kind of what can happen in our lives too. When we get invested somewhere or we find out we're good at something or we do well at our job, what do people ask for? More. So if you, even if you do well in your career, it's like, okay, well, let's up your hours. Let's up your position. Let's give you more on your plate. And that can be a very, very good thing. But at the same time, it can snowball and get to a place where we shouldn't be. Or if you're good in the community, you're good at this or good at that, right? People ask for more. The same thing was happening to Jesus. And what does he say? I have to go somewhere else. I have to go to them too. If I stay here and go to the same people all the time, those people aren't going to hear what they need to hear. And so there's two things I want us to kind of walk away with as we process this morning. And that first thing is this, I can't give what I don't have. Now, I think Jesus shows us this two ways in this passage. First of all, he shows us this by going and by himself and praying. If we aren't refilling our spiritual tank, then we're not going to be able to invest spiritually in other people. It's just not going to happen. And so we, as if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the ways that we can best spend our time is to spiritually invest in others. But if we're not refilling that spiritual tank in ourselves, we're not going to be able to do that. So we need to think about, okay, if I'm, this is how I'm going to spend my time. If this is how I'm going to do it, then this is what I need to do. I need to get alone. I need to go pray. I need to sit with God. I need to talk to Jesus. I need to spend that time so that then I'm able to give it to others. And the second, the second way that Jesus shows us this is that if he had stayed where he was, other people wouldn't have gotten the time that they needed. And so by setting a clear boundary, and Jesus saying, no, we can't go back to those people. I have to go to the next one. Listen, Jesus had 33 years to change the world. And he started his ministry at 30, and 33 he, he died, okay? And then he went back to heaven. So in three years, he had the majority of the time to do what he was there to do. He had to be efficient with time. His years didn't take longer than ours, same amount of time, right? But he had to make sure that he was investing them the right way. So I can't give what I don't have. I can't invest spiritually if I'm not investing in myself spiritually and finding time with God. And I can't invest in other people. I can't be generous with my time if I don't have any time to give because I have filled up my schedule. The second place I want to go uh, in scripture is to Luke chapter 10. So you can turn over there again. If you're on the follow along, you can just scroll down. It'll be there for you. In Luke 10, we're going to start in verse 38. And this is a passage that maybe uh, you've heard before, especially if you've been around church circles uh, for a while. But in Luke 10, verse 38, this is what it says. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Verse 39, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Verses 41 and 42. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. This is where we get to see like sibling rivalries really take hold, right? 
Maybe you've been in this situation if you have a sibling, and you felt like that sibling was the good sibling, and they always got the attention, and they always did everything right, and you were, or maybe you were the one who was supposed to be the one who did everything right. We have this conversation in my house. My brother always got in more trouble than I did. Usually, I was just better at hiding it. Um, but we, you know, we have this conversation, and maybe you've seen this dynamic in your own life with your siblings, okay? And it, when Mary and Martha are here, Martha goes, I'm, I'm going to make the meal, right? You have a bunch of people. You invite people to your house. What do you do? You're supposed to have food. You're supposed to have dinner, right? This is something that should happen. And Mary just goes and she just sits and listens to Jesus. And Mary goes, hey, uh, hello. I'm not the only one that lives here. I'm not the only one who's helping with this, right? Like, come on. And she goes, how funny is this? She goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, tell my sister what to do. Like going and tell it, like, mom, dad, they're doing that, right? You just go and tell on them. And Jesus' response is, she's found what is worth listening to, and I'm not going to take that from her. It's very interesting. The second thing I, I want us to get as we process what Jesus is teaching us about our time in these verses is that when we get tangled up in the necessary things, sometimes we miss the best things. And I put necessary in quotes there. I get, there are very necessary things, okay? Like, as a parent or as someone who just has to provide for somebody, right, there are necessary things that have to happen. There are very necessary things that have to happen in our household for the tiny humans to survive, okay? We have to do that. It's not wrong. It's just we have to do it, right? We have to work. We have to do the things that need to happen. We have to. And at the same time, sometimes those things can take priorities in ways that aren't healthy, and we miss the best things, and maybe you've experienced this, right? Maybe you've experienced the draw, especially if you have kids or you have younger people that want your time. And you go, I have to do X, Y, Z thing, and the little human wants me to do this. And you go, I know what I want to do, I know what I, but I also know what I have to do. And we feel this draw of like, how do I make sure that the best thing happens, but is it the best thing for me to do that, right? There's the tension here, and I'm not saying this is easy. I'm just saying sometimes we get to the point where we say, these necessary things are getting in the way of some of the best things. And I think that's what Jesus was teaching Martha. Yes, we have to eat. But at the same time, sitting and listening at the feet of Jesus is a necessary thing. And it can be the best thing for us to do. This is how I want us to understand, kind of as we go through these next three weeks. How do I understand what generosity is? How do I make sure that I'm actually living a life that looks generous? And here's kind of the phrase I want us to come back to and kind of process. Generosity is strangled when margin doesn't exist. Generosity is strangled when margin doesn't exist. If there's no margin, we have nothing to give. You think about it this way. If someone called me and said, hey, I need help for two hours on Saturday, and I, and I need, you know, you're just doing a job. I just need extra hands. I just need two hours. The conversation goes much differently if I look at my schedule and I go, oh, I'm free from one to five. And I go, I can give you two hours between one to five, right? And that person goes, great, that's perfect. Let's do one to three. That's the conversation, right? Why? Because I had a gap where I had some margin. That person asked me to do it, and I was able to do that. And because I had margin, I didn't even have to give up my whole afternoon, right? I get done that. I'm like, oh, I still have two hours, right? We're all good. What happens if the conversation goes the other way? If I'm solidly booked, and there's, and there's Saturdays where this happens, but you just, you're just full all the time, and then somebody calls you, and you go, oh, I don't know, I have to cancel this, or I have to move this around, or whatever. How's that other person feel? Well, they feel bad for even asking, right? Because you, now you're making them feel bad, because you're busy, and then I, I'm not able to invest that way. 
So I get it. There's times where you just can't. You just can't. Like there's certain weekends, it's just bad timing. But at the same time, when we do have that generosity, whether it's time or influence or resources, whatever it is, and we can give of it, that is so much more of a positive reinforcement than when we're saying, I don't have the ability because I have no margin. And so some of this conversation as we're thinking about generosity is to get us to a point where we do think about the margin we have created in our lives and what we can do with that. There are three ways that I want to challenge us this week to rethink about our time and think about how God is asking us to use our time, okay? So I have three challenges. You can do them all, or you can choose one, okay? But I want to challenge us to do some of these at some point in the next week. The first thing is this, be generous to God. Do we think about that? Like, how, how am I being generous to God? How have I given the time back to God? Is he getting the space that I need? I'll say it again, right? If Jesus needed to take the time to separate himself and to go and pray, we have to. It's not an option. And so here's the challenge. Spend five more minutes per day with him this week than you did last week. Now, why five minutes? Well, if you do that six times, right? Even if you miss a day, you do that six times, it means you spent a half hour longer with God this week than you did last week. And for some of us, right, maybe you're in a situation where you're sitting and you're going, I didn't do that at all last week. Well, guess what? If that's the case, all you need to do is find five minutes a day. You can find five minutes a day. You can set an alarm. You can wake up five minutes earlier. The time changed now. It's not even, maybe it's not even going to be dark when you wake up, right? So you're going to find five minutes. You just find that extra five minutes and say, I'm going to give this five minutes to God. Why? Because I know that I need it. I need to create that margin in my life so that I can be generous to God the way that he has been generous to me. Here's the second thing. Uh, Be generous to others. And what does that mean? I think that means being present without distractions. This is difficult uh, for me, and maybe it's difficult for some of you because I live with this, okay? Anybody else say that's difficult because we live with this, not being distracted? Okay, the honest people are raising their hand, right? So uh, one of the things that I have a hard time with, I always know where this is. I always know where it is. I actually don't understand how people lose their phone because I'm just like, I, it's just in my pocket. It's just there all the time. But that's me. That's probably a problem I have, not a problem other people have. So it's hard because if someone is asking me a question or someone's wanting to interact with me, uh, do I continue to like, interact like this? Do I continue to interact and do I just put it down? Do I turn it face down? Do I put it in my pocket? What do I do, right? It's very easy to be in a conversation with somebody and still be distracted. And when we're willing to say, you know what? I'm going to put away what I'm doing. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to be distracted. And I'm going to give you my undivided attention. That's being generous. It's being generous with our time. It's being generous to others and say, I value you more than I value the thing I have to do. And again, sometimes you have to do stuff. You've got a deadline, you've got to figure it out. But when we have the opportunity, are we willing to be generous to others by being present without distraction and maybe putting that thing away that's going to distract us? Here's the third one, okay? I think maybe some of you are really going to like this. Be generous to yourself and take a nap. Listen, I get it. We're tired. I had One of the first times in my life the other week, I, I told Becca, I said, I woke up one morning, and my first thought was, I can't wait to go back to sleep. (laughs) Some of you are nodding. I I have not been there too many times in my life. I am getting there more often, okay? We're tired. 
we get going. We've got stuff to do. We've got people vying for our attention. We are busy, and sometimes busy with really good things, and we're tired. And I think sometimes, I've struggled with this, sometimes we just need to rest. We just need to stop and take a nap. It's not just for toddlers and college students, okay? We can stop and we can take a nap. And sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes that's going to make us a healthier person. Sometimes that's going to help our relationship with other people if we're just not so tired. And sometimes we have to be able to say, and I've struggled with this, uh, if I take a nap, that's me not being, um, not, not seeing my time as valuable. It's me wasting time. It's not. And sometimes we just have to do that. And so find the space. If you're tired, Take a nap. Find a space to do that. Or go to bed earlier. Find a way. Or if it's not sleep for you, if you're like, you know what? I don't need to sleep. I just need to go for a run. Or I need to go for a hike. Or I need to go ride my bike. Or I need to go for a drive around the neighborhood and listen to music or listen to podcasts. Whatever it is to to get you rest, find the space to do those things. Now, here's what I realized I just did to you. I just told you to spend five more minutes with God uh, every day this week, which is at least a half hour if you do it six times. Okay, and I just told you to be more present without distractions, and I just told you to take a nap. So if you do the math, I basically just took away like three hours or four hours from you this coming week that you didn't have last week, right? If you do all three. I understand that that's the case. I get it. So here's what we have to understand, right? Something might need to go. Something might need to go. There could be something that's taking our time, that's taking our energy, that's taking our attention that we need to get rid of. It could be an app on our phone, okay? I'll tell you right now, I deleted Facebook a few months ago. It has been glorious, okay? So, like, there's things. You just, like, get rid of it. Don't let it be a distraction to you. Maybe it's a video game. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a hobby that's actually not helpful to you or not helpful in your relationship, okay? There's things that we actually have to get rid of. If, if, our, time in, if our time is just going, like we feel like we're on a hamster wheel and we can't find that margin, something's going to have to go in order to get it right. And so that means we have to do the difficult job of saying, what are the things that are taking my time? And it's not a good thing. It's actually a really bad thing. And then figuring out what that is and having the courage to actually do what we say we're going to do. I know this is like a difficult conversation. And I also think that it's very, it could be very easy to walk away from today and forget all about it. Or to get like a month down the road and to get to a busy place and to be like, you know what, I just, I just can't. I just have to keep going right? There's somebody I listen to regularly on a podcast, and and he says, sometimes people will say, oh, it's just a busy season. And that's an excuse we use, and we're like, okay, so when's the season over, right? When's the deadline? When does it end? When does it actually stop being busy? And we do create that space for ourselves. When does that happen? And the reality is sometimes we get that season becomes a year. (laughs) That season becomes two years, three years, whatever that means. Guys, we're healthier when we do this well. And when we're able to be generous out of the margin that we've created, it gives us the opportunity to be even more generous. And here's the last thing I'll say before we wrap today. Is that you are at your best when you can say yes out of your abundance and not out of obligation. Too many times we say yes out of obligation. I feel like we have to. And so we do. Okay, if I have to, Right? But when we've created that abundance, that ability to say, I'm going to say yes 
because I've created that space, I've managed my time well, I have invested in myself spiritually, I've kept control of my schedule, I've had the opportunity to make sure that I have my ducks in a row, I've taken a nap maybe, I've done the things I need to do. And so when you ask me for something, it's a yes, absolutely, and I'm excited to give to you and be generous in that way with my time. I'm in a much better place than when I just say, all right, I I have to, I guess, so I'll just do it. This is difficult for us to hold on to, again, because busyness is seen as an achievement. And we can easily find our meaning, find our worth, find our, uh, yeah, just feel like we've achieved something by saying my schedule is full. It's not what Jesus did. He said, take time to pray. He modeled that for us. He modeled saying, I can't stay here, it's time for me to go there and say there's a timeline, there's a, there's a um, deadline on this, I'm going to go to the next place. There's a deadline on this, I need to do this to be better off. I need to go there, those people need me, I need to be generous over there. And he looks at Mary and he says, you sitting and resting at my feet and learning, rather than just doing, 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 is a better thing than continuing to get wrapped up in the doing. We've told you this a little bit before, the the elders and I have been talking, how do we be and not just do? How do we be with God instead of just continuing to do for God and be on that hamster wheel? And some of that is what we need to do. So take those challenges. Which one do you need? I think we all need the five more minutes with God. I guarantee you won't regret that. Okay? God will redeem that time for you if you commit to that. Maybe you need to make sure you're not being distracted. Maybe you need to make sure that you do take a nap or rest yourself, whatever you need to do. But we need to make that decision to be able to be generous people with the time that God has given us and not just simply run out so we have nothing left to give. Would you pray with me this morning? God, this this idea of, of managing time and being sure that we're generous with our time can be very difficult because we don't get any more. At no point will we get an extra month or an extra hour or an extra whatever. It just doesn't happen. And so we have to learn to reside in those boundaries that you've given us. And we have to realize that what you've given us is enough. That we don't need to find more time. We need to just manage it better and learn from how you did your own time management. God, we ask as we start this conversation about being generous and we think about being generous with our time, that you would... Help us to see the areas where we need to create margin. If there's something that needs to go, if there's something that needs to be deleted, gotten rid of, that's just taking too much of our time, it's not healthy for us, it's causing us to be frustrated with others and not have the ability to be generous with our time, that we would have the courage to just get rid of that thing and not allow it to have control over us. And I ask that overall, as we think about what this means, that we would be seen as people that are generous with our time that we're eager to help others come alongside of others to be there. I think I want us to be that way with the church too, that someone would say, oh yeah, I'll call that church because they're always eager to be generous with their time. I ask that you'd help us see the ways that we need to create the margin to be able to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.